Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome again to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. And we uh, come to you on a regular basis with this podcast. We're actually a tech company, aren't we, Steve? We are. And what do we do besides? We provide live streaming for churches, mobile apps, websites, church management. We are a ministry-focused company. And we uh, we really are ministry-focused. We've been doing this since 2001, and you have, uh, although I was in, I was involved in that in 2001, but we... Yeah, you were customer number two. I was customer number two at a church I was pastoring, and, and that church still uses... Uh, the product. So yeah. there you have it. But uh, we talk about a lot of things besides tech-related things. We uh, we have a heart for churches, volunteers, pastors, senior pastors, because uh, Steve and I have been involved in church stuff for a long time. We won't get into how long, but it's uh, it's before Christ, it's I think. It's been measured uh, in ice ages. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, we, are, we have a special guest today, and we're going to actually talk a little bit about audio as it relates to to streaming video, and our guest today is James Wassum, and James is an audio engineer. Uh, he's actually installed and operated uh, sound systems for uh, hundreds of churches, schools, and businesses, and he's written a great book called Great Church Sound, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, he's got some uh, some good, helpful tools in there that you and I can use if you're involved in uh, volunteering at your church or maybe on staff. Uh, this is something that would probably be beneficial for you. So we're going to talk about some of that. But James, thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. And uh, you are, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're from, uh, is it Montana? Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, Missoula, Montana. So out in the middle of the Rocky Mountains is uh, where I'm originally from. And that's kind of my home base these days. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I lost a brother to Montana. He went there, he took a a job for a short while in Billings and said, this is the most beautiful part of the world, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm never leaving. And then every winter he swears he's going to, but he's been there, I don't know, (laughs) 25 years now. That happened to my wife as well. It's an, it's a common story. <laughs> I uh, I stayed in Missoula, Montana, many many years ago in an old hotel, and I guess it burned down right after I left. So I don't know, but enough of that. So well, we're glad to have you here, James. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. So audio engineering is what you do, but I mean, have you always had this worldwide dream of being a audio engineer? <laughs> well, I uh, I started out uh, playing drums in a band and uh, being the drummer, I guess that qualified me to be a sound guy at the same time <laughs> or something. Uh, apparently, they saw me hauling all the drums around and said, hey, you can haul speakers too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, I actually started mixing uh, from behind the drum set, believe it or not, which was a challenge in and of itself. Wow. But, um, you know, being a musician and and trying to be a rock star and all that good stuff, you find out real quick that uh, you might need a day job at some point. (laughs) So um, as luck would have it, and through a couple different connections, I ended up uh, getting a job installing and uh, eventually designing commercial audio systems uh, for a living. So I've been doing that for the better part of 20 years. And 
it's been an awesome opportunity to be in a field that I absolutely love, uh, you know, as a side gig, uh, but also as a profession and, uh, working in kind of the commercial audio space, uh, you don't have to work those late night gigs or, or have to work in a bar or a club or something like that. Uh, you get to work normal business hours and, uh, work with a lot of different clients. Um, and of course, over the years worked with a lot of churches, uh, both as a professional and also just, uh, on my own time, you know, Sundays leading teams and things like that. So, so just going down this trail a little bit, um, what are some of the, if you were to walk into a church facility, what are some of the things you'd look for if, you know, they had hired you to, to set up audio for that facility? Are there, are there things that to avoid or, or what do you normally say or? Yeah, I, you know, the first thing that I try to assess is who is operating this on a regular basis? Who's your week to week average live sound tech? And uh, that normally tells me a lot about what I'm going to be designing for, at least on the user side of things. So what type of console we're looking for, other types of gear that's going to interface, you know, the level of complexity of the system. Um, other than that, it's, it's really assessing kind of their average use case scenario. So what type of music do they play for worship? Is it, uh, you know, traditional or contemporary uh, do they have different types of services with different types of music, uh, things like that? And then uh, if I'm going into an existing facility and uh, looking at doing some retrofitting or, or updating, I'm always looking at uh, how they hung their speaker cabinets because a lot of times you walk into churches that have kind of done it themselves and you hear see everything from... Uh, you know, uh, cables and chains to, to, uh, dog leashes or dog chains I've actually even found. So, uh, you try to deal with the safety components as well if, if you need to. What about flooring and walls? Do you consult in that area? You know, I, that's one area that I haven't gotten into a lot in terms of professionally with the acoustics and things like that. Um, obviously that's a hugely important thing. And oddly enough, uh, when you're involved in the design process, the acoustic treatments often get pulled out of the budget, uh, early on to save money. And then you end up spending it in sound system fixes or other things after the fact. Um, so I, I haven't done a lot of consulting or design work on the acoustic side of things, but uh, worked hand in hand with many uh, sound system and acoustics engineers uh, with that to complete the system. Yeah. Well, audio is so important uh, in, in uh, well, in any presentation you're doing, especially churches. Uh, today, we want to talk a little bit about audio as it relates to streaming video. And we get this question a lot. Uh, and I think a lot of folks, especially if they're new to streaming video, uh, don't really understand the importance of audio. So let me just throw this out to you, James. Why is good audio so important when it comes to streaming video? Oh, man, I, I guess we could even do a little show and tell here. I mean, how long would you listen to this uh, uh, all if uh, the uh, audio was cutting in and out of all the time? <laughs> you know, yep. you'd, you'd hang up straight away, right? So if you can't understand what's going on or you don't have a consistent stream of the audio, your listener or your viewer is going to tune out very quickly. Um, as a viewer of live streaming uh, events or, or messages and things like that, I'll stick through bad video. I'll watch it on a smaller screen or I'll, you know, just kind of listen to it in the background or whatever. 
But if the audio is bad, I'm tuning out straight away. Um, so that's the number one reason audio is so important and it's a very easy thing to, to kind of put your finger on. Uh, but there's nuances to it that add to that experience, you know, especially when you go from say a high energy worship environment where you're playing a lot of dynamic music and then you transition to, uh, the pastor or somebody giving announcements and things like that. And then all of a sudden the audio quality or the volume level changes, um, what does the user have to do? Do they need to turn the volume up on their phone or computer or whatever they're listening on uh, to, to compensate for that? So how do you deal with this and deliver a very consistent and engaging audio stream as part of your audio video streaming service? So we have, uh, you know, obviously we're a company that does provide streaming video, and we've got churches all sizes with us. And I'm even, I've even run across larger churches that don't have this audio thing down. So give us some practical helps here. I mean, what, what are, I mean, let's just say I'm new to streaming video, and I've spent some money on cameras. You know, I've got some pretty good equipment as far as switchers and all that good stuff. I've got a great company that I work with called StreamingChurch.tv. Uh, shameless plug, but uh, you know, but what about the audio thing? How can I ensure that I've got good audio uh, going along with my streaming video? What's what's some basic steps I can do? Yeah, there, there's a couple different things, and it really depends on your configuration or your mixing console and, and levels of complexity. But I guess to start at the very base level, uh, the number one thing you can do is have some compression set between your mixer output and the live streaming encoder or computer that you're using to generate that initial audio input to the streaming service. Uh, so having a compressor in there, what that does is it kind of helps squash or control the dynamic range. So that music uh, problem, the dynamic range problem we talked about between worship service and somebody starting to speak or give a message, uh, that starts to control that. So you don't have these massive peaks during music and then this low gets up to speak. Uh, so starting with a base level compression is really important, but if you want to really take it up a notch, you could even have a dedicated mix for your live stream, uh, that could be useful. And, and some consoles, some digital consoles, uh, you can actually create that as a separate kind of mixing component if you really wanted to, or if you have a control room where you're mixing for video anyway, uh, you could try that. That's a more advanced scenario. Uh, and there, there's a couple different options kind of in between there, but those are your two main ones, but I'll always put a compressor in there to help control that dynamic range. Ironically, as you're explaining that to us, we're doing this interview with Skype and, uh, uh, James is in another location, and so we I, we noticed your audio was kind of getting a little garbled there. But that's that's because of the internet. So sorry, folks, that's not on James's deal. There, it's probably on my internet service provider. All right, so compressor a compressor probably would be your ideal situation in between. Well, that, that's I assume that's that would be step one, right? That, that's an affordable. Yeah, uh, putting a compressor in there. He was kind of leaning towards you have a separate mixer is what we're doing at our church right is you take the feed off the soundboard and then you mix it for the for the stream separately all right so right. well let's move along here so uh, go so ahead and elaborate let's, a little let's bit go on about, that, Steve. Let's, go ahead. i'm a newbie to some of this too so um what's a compressor cost if i want to just and i just i plug it in in between my soundboard and my encoding computer 
Yeah, you can. I, I think uh, Rolls makes a really cheap single channel compressor for uh, less than a couple hundred bucks if you really wanted uh, something really cheap, just a small black box that does it. Uh, a lot of digital mixing consoles uh, include compressing options on every input and output. So a lot of times you can assign a bus, uh, uh, you know, main output or a bus output with a compressor on it and apply some small compression to that or, or get uh, a little bit more of a kind of a pro level outboard gear, like a DBX compressor or something, uh, and put that in. And, and those run the range from, you know, 150 to 300 or 500 bucks, uh, you know, depending on the level of, of, uh, quality you're looking for and different features. So I've got compressor, you know, I've got an audio, I've got a feed coming out of my board into a compressor and then, and then where's it go from there? Do we, do we go straight into the, uh, encoder or do we have another mixer? I mean, you know, I, again, well, I'm, if you have a I, mixer, I would think you would have a compressor on that mixer, right? That's in line if you wanted to go that route. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it really depends on the workflow and how much control you want out of that signal. Of course, every step along that way, you have to make sure that you're maintaining the quality of that signal level. So if you add more devices in the middle, uh, you need to make sure your gain is set appropriately and that you're not peaking the signal or boosting things too much or adding noise into the system. Uh, because every component you add can have a level of noise that's associated with it if you're not careful, especially when it's still analog audio. Right. Um, so that's that's just something to you know be aware of. The simpler the setup you can use, typically the better in terms of troubleshooting and and uh, working with you know the average uh, volunteer user. Um, and then, yeah, of course, that that final output goes into uh, the computer if you're using that as your main encoder for software or uh, your uh, encoder appliance if it's a regular, you know, just kind of a dedicated black box encoder right. that takes your audio and video feed into it. Right. Uh, yeah, and there's even instances where some cameras are starting to be built with uh, automatic encoding for the video and then they have an analog audio input into the camera and that all gets encoded at that location and sent out. So it really depends on your infrastructure at that point. How, how important would you say audio bit rate is? So, you know, you've got your live encoder, you're streaming, uh, you know, your bit rate for your video obviously is important for the quality of your video, your resolutions and all that good stuff. But what about audio bit rate? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do with your uh, with your stream and and how high of a, a level you need. Honestly, uh, a lot of the stuff we've done has just been at, at kind of your standard 16-bit audio. Um, you know, just just to get it out there and make sure you're not overtaxing it. If you have a higher internet connection, uh, you can certainly go much higher than that. Uh, but typically, I stick with the baseline. And um, and increase it from there if I'm able to. But otherwise, I don't really worry about it too much. All right. So uh, so let's say I'm uh, I'm in the back of the church. I'm in charge of the streaming video, and and uh, let's say mixing. Uh, obviously, mixing. You know, you're sitting back there and you're mixing house sound is is obviously much different than what's going to go on over the internet. You know, you get what I'm saying. I mean, mixing online is going to be mixing right. different from the house. So explain a little bit of that to me. And, and are there some tricks? Or are there some tips that you would give for somebody wanting to mix the audio online? 
Yeah, one of the, one of the classic uh, things that happens is somebody gets up on stage to do some announcements, and they may not be used to holding a microphone or something, so they're ha- holding it down by their belt. And, uh, you know, everybody in the room can hear the announcements acoustically, but it's not coming through the sound system very well because the microphone's two feet away. So (laughs) how do you translate that? Well, one of the the greatest ways to do that is to have maybe a dedicated room mic or some sort of ambient mic that picks up the overall sound in the room that you have a little extra control of. And if you really wanted to, you could boost that into the mix to pick up that extra sound or to compensate for what's going on in the room. That also gives the average viewer at home or, or on the go the opportunity to hear some of the ambiance in the room and some of the feedback from the congregation and, and different things like that. So that's always a good kind of fallback method uh, to, to kind of protect yourself in terms of that, that tin can effect that can happen. You, you get very isolated very quickly if you're just depending on instrument microphones and, and handheld microphones and things like that to capture your audio. Uh, so ha- try to have a good room mic or a stereo pair of mics available to to kind of compensate for that. Yeah, good good advice, Steve. <laughs> so I know one of the things that the sound guy at our church will do for the online mix is I mean, they'll they'll try to listen to it. He's got a like an iPad with a mixer board for the online stuff, and he's looking at it there. But he'll run over to one of the computers in the back office that has a decent set of speakers on it, and he'll listen to it, um, you know, at coming through the computer. Is that an important thing to do, or so he's uh, listening to it as other people would as hear. other people would hear? But yeah, it's yeah, that's that's huge. I I yeah, when I'm running uh, live streaming, I'll have several different devices open. I'll have the obviously the headphone output of the mixing console. I'll I'll monitor the feed that goes into the compressor, the one that comes out of the compressor, the, you know, I'll have all these different levels, as many places as I can monitor, I'm monitoring from time to time and checking in, uh, because anything can happen. It's live, you know, it's live sound, live production. So, um, you want to check your signal before it goes into the encoder after it, you know, comes through the encoder. And then once it goes through, the CDN and the distribution points, you want to listen to that feed as the viewer is uh, seeing and listening to it. So that that's a hugely important thing. You know, somebody, somebody might listening to this podcast might, especially if you're not familiar or you're thinking about streaming video, you know, might think this is, this is overwhelming. But honestly, if you were to put together like a little checklist or something, uh, those things you just mentioned, James, I mean, you have a little checklist and you have it there in front of you and you get used to doing it. It kind of becomes second nature. Yeah, it really does. I mean, and, and we're, we're really talking about three different primary points to check off, right? We're talking about the feed coming out of the board to the compressor or the encoder. We're talking about the software, the encoder utility that's actually monitoring the audio and video feed and, and splicing it together. And then we're talking about the the end user, you know, the final stream. So there's three points, those critical points you need to check. And if you've got a problem at one, uh, you start to work your way back and see where that is and, and fix it accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a book called Great Church Sound, um, which, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, some, some really nice tools in here to make your church sound better and feel more confident, which is always a good thing to do. Uh, what, uh, how can people get this book 
uh, what's, uh, is there a website? Well, actually, I have your website here, greatchurchsound.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, the book is available on Amazon as well as kind of the primary outlet. It's available in print on paperback. It's available for ebook on Kindle or any other digital device. And it's also available as an audio book on Audible. So uh, three different ways to get that. Yeah. So is this a book that, and we've got a mixture of um, sound guys from my church. One, I know one of them's been around, you know, almost as long as we have, just dinosaur era. And it's always tough to teach a new, uh, an old dog a new trick. <laughs> is there something, is this geared for him or is this geared for the guy that's just getting started? Or what, what's kind of the, the range of, of audience that would make some, that would get some, some good things out of the book? Yeah, you know, so the original premise of the book really came from me trying to lead my sound team and teach them and realizing I didn't have a decent training resource that I could pass along. So I was like, I, I've got to come up with something. And it took me 12 more years to finally stop procrastinating. <laughs> um, but but basically what I always say is I, I wrote the book I wish I would have had uh, when not only when I was first learning, but when I was first starting to train people. Uh, because as a young leader and, and tech team director, uh, it, it was, it was, I took it as a very high responsibility to pass on that knowledge and create this institutional knowledge within the sound team that could pass on from one person to the next. And, and I, I found a lot of the manuals out there that, you know, tech guys like you and I are like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll read the Yamaha guide to sound reinforcement every night, you know? And, and, <laughs> Not That's me. all fine and good. Yeah, right. So I, I I tried handing that to one of my techs and and almost lost him for good. Um, so uh, I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I I tried to simplify the language and and what I've found is that it's obviously perfect for for the new volunteer, somebody that has no idea what they're getting into. Um, and kind of takes their hand and holds them through the process. But it's also great for leaders that are looking for a quality training resource that they can give to a variety of different people approaching the tech team and really get everybody on the same page. Because let's face it, there's there's workflow considerations. There's time management, their process management issues that as a sound team, even if you're in a, a smaller medium church with three sound techs or, or two sound techs, or maybe you're in a bigger church with uh, a much bigger team, it's helpful to get everybody involved in the same process right. and knowing the same terminology and doing things with the same fundamentals in mind. So that that's really what I, you know, kind of tried to build it to be. Yeah. James Wassum, the book is called Great Church Sound, and you can get it at greatchurchsound.com or those other places you mentioned. we got a few minutes. I want to talk to you about something else here. Uh, you founded or co-founded uh, a company called Giggy. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, giggy.me. It's, uh, yeah, it's a live streaming company. Uh, we don't work in the church market too much, so we're not direct competition. So. Well, that's good. Uh, but, but now this is for uh, some of this, I mean, bands can be involved in this. Am, am I getting this right? Yeah, yeah so, 
Yeah. yeah, so this this came out of uh, kind of myself and, and my co-founder. Uh, we've been musicians and playing together for years and years. And and as the music scene has changed and the business models have kind of shifted for indie artists, uh, one thing that we saw was just how do you monetize what you're doing online? And so uh, we were part of you know an initial wave of tech companies that got involved providing a online concert experience for independent musicians to be able to kind of monetize their gigs online. Mm. So Giggy was formed out of that and we created a what we call a live ticketed events platform. So somebody can sign up, create an event, charge a ticket price, invite fans to buy a ticket, show up. It's, it's a virtual concert experience. Wow. So do I assume this would be available for any size venue? I know my son plays even house parties where they have, or house band kind of things. Yeah. Would it, would... yeah, we've done this for uh, house concerts. Uh, we've done this for, uh, you know, living room concerts, kind of CD release parties. We've done this as kind of simulcast. So uh, bands playing at a venue and they want to open it up to a wider audience. Uh, we've done festivals, things like that. So yeah, it really runs the gamut from, from a living room or bedroom concert scenario all the way to a, a bigger live stage. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. That sounds interesting. And there's a lot of, you know, I mean, the matter if you go to church or not, there's a lot of people in bands that want to, you know, get out there and do some things. That sounds like a good deal. So again, it's called uh, giggy.me. Yeah, that's correct. Giggy.me. Uh, and uh, right now we're kind of undergoing a little bit of development. So if you go to the site and you get directed to a 2.0 page coming soon, then uh, don't be surprised about that. We're always improving the platform. So. And Giggy is G-I-G-I dot me? Is that right? Uh, G-I-G-E-E. Oh, so, okay. All right. Dot gig E. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dot me. All right. So uh, we're out of time here, but uh, James, thanks for being with us. And again, uh, getting back, kind of back on what we originally talked about when it came to uh, streaming video and audio and audio in general. Great Church Sound is the book, and it's uh, you can go to his website, greatchurchsound.com. Uh, you can contact James there. You can get his book there, or you can probably see a, a list of other things as well. So. Yeah, make sure you download the free app. There's a free uh, mobile app for Android and, and Apple devices that lets you have a ton of tips and tricks. It's got a, a little practice, digital practice mixer on there and also a uh, RTA and SPL meter. So it lets you kind of measure the sound level in your room. So that's right. a free resource for everybody right. to download. Nice. Yeah, that sounds great. I will do that. I would definitely do that for my uh, church. All right, James. Hey, thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. We sure appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you have any questions, folks, about uh, what we talked about here, maybe you want to add something or subtract it, you can just send us an email support at streamingchurch.tv. Be happy to hear from you and uh, tell your friends about this. And so we are done here. The guy across the table is Steve Lacey. I'm Phil Thompson. And thank you, folks, for listening to uh, Church App Live. I'm sorry, Church Solutions Podcast. i got churchapplive.com on my head. That's one of our apps. We were talking about apps. So, again, another shameless plug. But the podcast is Church Solutions. And uh, we're glad you spent some time with us today. We'll catch you next time on another edition. Have yourself a great day.